0: graham and this podcast is the home at class you wish you'd been offered we're two moms
1: who've been real life best friends for more than two
0: decades we're trying to create gracious homes that are
1: welcoming but also functional all while dealing with real life schedules budgets and children
0: stick with us and we'll share and show what we know what we've learned where we've messed up and how to fix it for everything we can't make up we'll bring in the best experts we can find you're listening to welcome home
1: Today on Welcome Home, it's almost Halloween and we are so here for it. We're welcoming the green witches to the podcast. Mother-daughter duo Eris and Vilia Urban are here to talk about history from the often-silenced female perspective. They'll give us the real story of witches and some modern-day potions to aid in health and beauty. Bananas might be the next Botox.
0: Plus, the truth about brooms, the UGG boots of menstruation, and why colonial sleeping habits sound a bit like a freshman dorm. All that and more on this week's episode of Welcome Home. Welcome home, Graham. There is so much pressure on this one. Welcome home, (laughs) Kirsten. Um, And welcome back to our audience who we have not seen or heard from or spoken to in, what, 18 months? 18 months. It's probably I
1: made the executive decision that we were non-essential workers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't seem to dispute that fact. No, just kidding. Yes. So many of you reached out to us and
0: it was so touching. Um, and our heart is here and we love this. And let's be honest, it comes naturally to us. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> no, let's be honest. Any normal person would have taken 18 minutes off and come back with a long, like, Let's explain. Let's do a wrap up. But what did Kirsten wanted to? You totally wanted wanted to. Because again, normal person.
0: We're like, forget this.
1: Graham's like, I got us some witches. I would talk about us, but it's Halloween. And we all know Graham loves her Halloween.
0: I went straight to the source. I went to the Salem Witch Museum because I knew if I was going to stage a comeback, it couldn't just be anywhere. I had to go to the spookiest place I could think of. And who was headlining but mother-daughter duo, Velia, and Eris Urban. And they are going to speak to us today about all things colonial, witchcraft, women. It was fascinating. It was truly fascinating. It was wonderful. Um, we'll discuss where we've been in a subsequent well, episode. No, can Don't we, we really just do like
1: a, can we do like a quick, like
0: five minute wrap up? Um, Sure. Okay. Let's okay. say what.
1: So Graham where are you, where are you podcasting from?
0: Still in my closet, still in the son's <laughs> closet. Nothing has changed except actually it's a little harder to get up from the floor.
1: <laughs> yeah. We were, we were talking about the aches and pains of old age.
0: Um, okay. So I bet there's a potion for that Kirsten. There's, totally there's gotta, see, why didn't we ask her about we, Because we're going to learn some potions. There's actually some DIY potions and we'll post some. Oh, we Even know we turns- should do. You know, what we should do. We should, well, let's wait one second. We should, um,
1: we should do like a, like a, well, oh my gosh, these are the things real podcasters would have thought of before. We should do like a welcome home podcast Zoom class with them where they like custom design a course for people who want to know the things we want to know. Oh my gosh. Where
0: I was thinking they should have made a custom potion. Like what is it? What's the word? Everyone's always saying a curated potion for our episode. A curated handcrafted potion. Yeah. We need a welcome home Halloween potion. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so you, you did briefly bring up that we have an intern and we do. We have an intern shout out to Mary Alice Russell. Hi
1: Mary Alice. So we are so excited to
0: have someone
1: helping us with the podcast, which feels very professional. We're so grateful do we, for her. Do we
0: want to say that we may have come back stronger than ever? Uh, I think that's a little presumptuous. It's pre- super presumptuous. Let's not presume. Yeah. I mean, we're <laughs> still
1: behind the mic, so I'm going to take it slow. Um,
0: okay. We have a great lineup of episodes coming down the pipe. We're going to be um, talking to lots of interesting thought leaders, tastemakers, people of the day. Um, So we've really, we decided that we want you to hear from the best of the best. Remember that tagline we have, we'll bring in the best experts we can find. That's what we're really leading with these next few weeks. (laughs) We thought we'd bring you some good experts.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news, All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch.
0: Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at
1: 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May
0: 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: Graham, do you want to ask me where I am?
0: Where are you? Oh yeah, Kirsten, where are you? (laughs) Just...
1: So I'm in my basement because I have a basement now
0: because I live in the East Coast.
1: I'm a New Englander and I have embraced it. I oh, and Kirsten
0: wants to New really Englander. embrace our differences too of now she lives in the North. I live in, this was a big thing for her so that we can chat with you, which is ironic because let's be honest, we're very similar in many ways, but we're going to play up our differences for you
1: all. Well, you like vests with sleeves and I like vests without sleeves.
0: I don't like vest with sleeves. Yes,
1: we are. I'm still so troubled. So Graham came to town to visit me. So I've moved to Connecticut. That's my big update. And I and I have a basement. Um, and hopefully the, the audio is good from the basement. But anyway, Graham comes to visit me in Connecticut. And we go to this store and there's this down vest that has little like cap sleeves. And I it's said- It's like the hottest
0: thing. Cap it's totally vest the them. hottest
1: thing. She's completely right. It's everywhere. But Very I said, cool. you look like you're a space traveler. And she said, no, you're wrong. And I was like, her. But so but I use my
0: self-confidence and I bought it anyway, even when your anyway, best friend advises against it.
1: And I've seen so many people wearing them. So I understand like, this is going to be Birkenstocks 2.0. I'm going to be like, this is crazy. And but then the problem with me is later, I know I'm going to be,
0: no, but I'm still going to be wearing mine 15 years down the road. That's where I separate from like the rest of mankind <laughs> It's like where other people see short sleeve cap sleeve vest is like a flash in the pan. I'm going to carry mine for, I think it's like, it has staying power. I see the functionality in the trend. And when I see functionality in a trend, that means it has staying power.
1: I'm trying to think we have missed so
0: much. I mean, obviously we've missed everything Years. that's
1: happened in the world and COVID and all of that. We need to do, we're going to do a COVID wrap up show too, by the way, because nah, this I is guess, a
0: lighthearted show. We're going to entertain no. no, no but, to we, but I want to with... do,
1: I want to do how we did the Corona awards. I want to do a wrap up of like what, what was good about COVID, what was bad about COVID, what we, we will do that.
0: Although I'll give you a little, I'll give you a credit. I don't know if you went back and listened to the Corona Awards, which we, I think we did right as coronavirus basically was starting and everything was shutting down. And I was cringing before I pushed play because I was just trying to refresh myself on what we had been doing. We actually did not sound like complete jackasses, Kirsten. We, if you go back and listen to it, especially in those dark trying times when everyone was very scared, we did not say anything that I particularly regret or that was very off point or made us sound completely tone deaf.
1: Okay. Well, forget, so about, that. forget about the Corona episode. I mean, forget about, it's just, dramatic. I just got to dig into it right now because now it's on my mind. You know, what was my biggest COVID. Re- well, I have so many COVID regrets. One is like, I should have done the thing where you stop using shampoo for a month. Have you heard you, about this? Yes. You wanted to try that, but then you I get really want to try it. But you, I know. Right. But it didn't matter. Cause I know where to go. And now I'm back to a stage in life where it's like, Oh, I can't not wash my hair for a month but well, I what Kirsten's getting at because
0: she's not explaining is if you don't use shampoo for a month allegedly your hair gets clean all of a sudden yeah you have to go make-
1: through like a disgusting greasy phase where your hair looks terrible and you don't want to go anywhere but like it didn't
0: matter back then. Isn't what they they say about keto too, of like, if you don't eat for so long, then you go through the bad breath stage. And then all of a sudden your breath gets good again. Right.
1: This is my point. Like I should have done like a weird cleanse thing that like is totally unsustainable. If you have any sort of social life, anything that did not require a social life, I should have done that stuff, but I didn't didn't know. We didn't know. I just like watched TV. It was, I didn't do anything good, but I also want to say I bought one of those aftermarket bidets.
0: Five? There's not Kirsten. There's not really a for market bidet. I don't understand yes, why you needed. just yes, because if you were like building a new house and you were like put a bidet in, nobody's went, putting a bidet in anymore. Or if you bought
1: a house that was like glamorous 90s living, that was very hot in the 90s. But anyhow, I bought an aftermarket bidet attachment and it did not work. And they also made it sound. I mean, I don't. Oh, that was during the
0: toilet paper shortage.
1: During the toilet paper shortage. And here's the thing. One. I bought it. And then after I bought it, they were like, oh, you know, there's a wait list. And I'm like, of course, there's a wait list. There's a wait list for paper. Why do you think I needed a bidet to begin with? Well, you but know, anyway. we actually
0: have a bidet that works. I know. That we you never do. use, Listen, we have taught it brag pants
1: about your bidet. We, this is, I think, how we left things off was you were bragging about your bidet. And well, I was it was saying, like I my begin- safety.
0: It was my safety pull cord because oh. I knew that if the toilet paper thing ran out, I kept looking at it like, am I going to have to fire you up?
1: <laughs> I know. But my safety, my safety, um, my safety power cord was, or my pull cord was a, was a garden hose, Graham. So like, I don't want to hear you complaining about maybe using your bidet when there was dire over at our house. So anyhow, <laughs> I bought this and and it said also, one, your, your bathroom has to be set up in such a way where the sink is right next to the toilet or like you can't get the plumbing over. So that was my first problem. And then the second problem was that they, just because they made a really cool hip video on YouTube that you could watch that showed you how to do it a plumber I am not and so I flooded my bathroom like this stupid experiment that I also moved across the country <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want the new owners of my house to get my bidet that I waited
0: for anyway if didn't want a bidet if you're willing to pay for the shipping I will send it to you free of charge doesn't sound like a bidet. sounds like a hose attachment nobody wants that um <laughs> I'm very excited about today's interview I say let's get to it and give the people what they want you feel good about that um again a little presumptuous well I think they want to hear from well the they grandkids. want to hear
1: from they want to hear from the green witches yes again yeah. okay okay let's give them what they want you guys are going to actually enjoy this super fascinating
0: um it's a Halloween spooktacular, spook-tacular. it's up there okay wait wait no, hold are you on. you going to Halloween this year Quick, I can't say because it has. Well, I don't want anyone to hear because I have actually a bunch of Halloween parties this year and I don't want anyone to know, but I'll tell you retrospectively. How about that? Okay. um But I, what was I going to say? I was an Amazon
1: delivery guy last
0: year. Oh, that's what my dog is going as, actually. Graham got yeah, a dog. Got a, oh, we my got gosh, a puppy. We, we buried the lot. leaf. <laughs>
1: Graham got a dog and I got two goldfish and I
0: think they're dying right now. Yeah. I feel like everyone in America got a dog. So that's not that exciting. That's true. Um, But anyway, all right, Eris and Velia Urban, the grounded good wives or good witches, the green witches, take it away. Welcome home. We are so excited today to welcome Eris and Velia from The Grounded Good Wife. I found this mother-daughter duo through my Halloween research because I know our audience expects like Halloween to be outstanding. So my first thought was I need to go to the Salem Witch Museum and see what those guys are cooking up. And of course their headline show-stopping speaker for the Halloween season of 2021 was The Grounded Goodwife and y'all are about I said y'all cuz I've totally assimilated to Alabama are mm-hmm. doing a speech which is so fascinating called and you I you do this all over the country but called do you, want to, do you want to explain it? How about I just kick it off to you,
2: both of yes, you? It's called The Not-So-Good Life of the Colonial Good Wife. And it really was the start. Eris and I were kind, of, were very well-known now for our herstery Unsanitized Presentations. And that was a presentation that really kind of launched the whole of Grounded Good Wife. So that's that's the title. Well, wait,
1: should we start there then? Because that is fascinating as well. Sure. Okay, why don't you tell our listeners, what is the um, unsanitized history?
2: Okay, Ares, why don't you explain that part? Um, Hearst around sanitized. What do we call that?
3: So the point of that is that if you watch pretty much any kind of historical TV show or any kind of movie that involves history, you see all this really violent stuff, like people being decapitated and disemboweled and tortured. There's nothing about like menstruation, chamber pots, poopy babies, birth control, none of that like everyday stuff. So it's like, why is it fine to see all that super violent stuff, but not the you know normal
2: everyday things right and as a I was originally a high school English and history teacher so of course I've always been a history nut and I assume everybody loved history but then one day Eris said what did you say say?" I mean to me in school I thought history was always a very
3: boring class because it's just about like the dates and like facts it's nothing you can really
2: connect with so I was never a big fan so our, our thing is that um really like history and pretty much everything in life should be fun. So I think a hallmark of what we do is we call it stealth learning. So we kind of sneak in the educational stuff while people are laughing and grimacing and wincing and that's kind of that's kind of what we're getting known for.
0: Well, and you make a wonderful point. So our audience is about 98% female from all over. And I was thinking about this when I was listening, you know, researching your, um, the, her story, the whole topic. And I remember a long time ago seeing there was this, I, I want to say it was a dove commercial, but I'm not even sure, which is terrible. Cause probably you, they want you to remember the advertiser. And mm-hmm. it got a ton of national headlines because it was, a woman right after giving birth. Um, and she was kind of hobbling to the bathroom back and forth, you know, and it, um, and it was a very real visceral portrayal of what it was probably like, you know, 24, 36 hours after giving birth. And I remember that that caused such a national sensation, like how dare they do a commercial like that on television, you know, and of course that's come through the ages, you know, when they first did a bra commercial or they first did a tanball commercial or anything along those lines. But the fact that, right, we watch squid games right now or everyone watches squid games with reckless abandon. And yet heaven forbid, we talk about, um, you know, some of these topics that you all mentioned that women had to go through, um, hundreds of years ago and are still going through today. And I think that's one
2: thing that we actually kind of talk about. You know, nowadays, women, you're supposed to give birth, you know, go into labor, give birth, and then just like boing happily right back into life, where I think the only thing colonial women had over us is that they had this thing called the lying in period. So what that was for three to four weeks after you had your baby, your friends and your neighbors they would come over and they would do, like, do your chores for you and take care of your kids. So I think back then at least the women had like three to four weeks to get back onto their feet, compared to now where you know very often women are back at work after three to four weeks. Right. So that kicked was actually, out of the that,
0: hospital in 48 was, hours, you know. Right,
2: exactly, exactly, right. So that was actually, so. Tell us
0: more. Can we just dive in?
2: Sure. Well, I think the one that, the thing that people always want to know about is menstruation because that's always what we start with first. Do so you want to hear how they handle menstruation? Absolutely. Okay.
0: So <laughs> it actually so, totally creeps me out, but I need to get over I was it. So say, absolutely. Graham, we
1: we didn't. Graham does not turned down money, and she turned down a. A sponsor because they were an organic tampon. And Graham said, I can't say the word tampon on it. I don't know if our
0: talk would be for you. <laughs> no, tampon. it's very much. I actually, I love this. I think it's fascinating what you're talking
2: okay, about. Okay. So they Sheep would, skin. sometimes they would use cheesecloth that was stuffed with either milkweed fluff or moss. And actually they kind of borrowed, actually kind of stole that whole idea from Native Americans. But the mm-hmm. most common thing is that they, they would take a hunk of sheepskin. They would cut it to the right size then they put the first side up against their crotch and just kind of tuck it in place. And then I would say, like, just go about their day. And then they boil these things and reuse them over and over and over again. And what I always say, what I love about history is a whole full circle aspect of things. And we teach another class. We don't talk about the, the Santa and Afghans, the, you know, the girls in Africa. Okay. okay. <laughs> Waiting to me. So what I think the whole full circle aspect of history that I love is how things just repeat themselves. And now so many women today they don't want to use you know, uh tampons or those pads that have all the creepy chemicals in them, like the uh sodium polyacrylate. So a lot of women today are using those reusable, washable uh tampons and pads. So I just love the whole full circle aspect of it all. That so many women are now doing what our colonial foremothers practice.
0: Wow, that's fascinating. So they took sheepskin
2: sheepskin yep
1: so yep. is it weird that i'm picturing the uggs of pants? <laughs> is that correct or picturing what uggs
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah uggs <laughs> no one <laughs> ever said that before but yeah picture an ugg up against your crotch yeah i don't know really how it'd stay there but i guess they say it did, they just under. kind of tuck, and then i think you all know that we,
0: nobody wore underwear Wonder, well, under, yeah underwear I, there was under a whole leather slits leather. in the underwear right so how did that work out which had the slits
2: there, it was actually, well, originally, they didn't wear under, any underwear at all, women So or wait, women.
0: when did underwear become a
2: thing? Not until about the, um, probably about the 1800s. And it was, it was crotchless underwear until about the end of World War I. So that was that. Was that. And you want to hear the reason for that? Yes. Yes. So no, underwear <laughs> was crotchless. Um, primarily because the heavy woolen clothing of the day, whether the Victorian era or the colonial era, the, like just the skirts alone could weigh up to 40 pounds. So can you imagine um, you know, going out to an outhouse or squatting over a chamber pot while you pulled up your 40 pounds of skirts and then pull down your underwear? Pretty much, it was pretty impossible to do that. And the other theory is, is that men preferred it that way because it was easier to have sex with a woman if she wasn't wearing underwear. So I'll just leave those two little fun facts right there.
1: Something to chew on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. While we're on the topic of underwear, let's go, let's go upwards a little bit to course, corsets or corselets.
0: Mm-hmm. Corsets. Yep. So you want to talk wait, about it? Okay. I'm
1: sorry. You don't know this about me. I am legendary for mispronouncing everything. <laughs> although she was, other- sh- although
0: she was a news anchor, which we always find to be very interesting. <laughs>
1: <So laughs> what was the other thing I said, Graham, yesterday? When I said she tore her ACLU, and you yes. said <laughs> 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 she tore her ACL, Kirsten, not her ACLU. <laughs> okay, I apologize. So, well, good
2: thing that you probably had a teleprompter and they probably did things genetically <laughs> for you, so that was probably yes. pretty
0: good. <laughs> she's she's got she's come way m- late years. Since no, then. not really. Okay, so suffragettes and corsets.
1: Let's talk about that. Suffragettes and corsets. Suff- okay, so
0: want the purpose of that? How that talk
3: came
2: to be? Yeah. That came from like our research about corsets. So I guess, well, I guess, yeah. So corsets said they've been worn throughout history. So, you know, going back to the Puritan era, those corsets, they were kind of meant just to flatten your boobs. But then the ones in the Victorian era are the ones that really everybody knows so much about. So those um, really what we, here's another another thing I should mention that every time Eris and I do research and we find come across something where a woman is either demeaned or she's seen as a sex object, we say one word. What's the word, Eris? Blah. Blah, right. So, Blech. Yeah, There's a lot of that blessing in our talks. So originally, um, women, well, back in the Victorian era, they wore corsets because they thought they'd be medically beneficial and help support a woman's weak body. And at that point in our talk- Everybody, Blech. 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 <laughs> But anyway, those Victorian corsets, they enabled women to achieve the desired 17- to 22 inch waist and if you look on a ruler that's like really really tiny that's messed up that's like you have to have a rib removed some women got themselves down to a 12 13 or 14 inch waist so and um with
1: with the corsets
2: yes yes Yes. And course- they, okay, wait, I have a
1: question though. Is that like when I'm wearing my Spanx, I'm X inches when I'm not, or does this like permanently change your body? No, it's well, that's the question. Eric
2: talks about that. It does serious damage to your body. Yeah. I think
1: when you took Ugh. it off, you get
2: like a little bit bigger, but I think it would totally
3: reshape your body and cause this crazy organ damage. Like, one account from a woman in 1895 was at a dentist's office getting a tooth pulled and she died. And then the in the dentist chair, and then when they did the autopsy, they found that her liver was almost in like two separate pieces.
1: Just <gasps> oh my gosh! Throat. Is there a word for when you go, Bleh, but it's like so far that you feel a little bit, a little yeah, bit I like icky? mean way past blech? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, I'm like into. Ugh. You can't yeah. see me, but it's a real bad look. Um, right, yeah. Okay, then let's move. Let's move up a little bit more. Then to to the bra. Explain the bra. I'm done with the corsets. Okay, the bra.
2: So that actually, actually, we came up with a whole talk called "Booby Trapped: The History of the Bra" because um, how my, I forget how that talk. The corsets pushed from. Home. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That one came to be because I never thought about this until we thought about this. Is that corsets? What Corsets did, they pushed your boobs up from below, but when then and actually, you know, so there was nothing lifting your boobs up from above until bras were finally invented. So you want to talk about bras dollars? So they've been around for, I mean, like
3: in the way that we know them, not super long, but in, in kind of in history, they've been around for a long time. Um I would say the most original ones were made out of, were the they Minoan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're from Minoan times. They're made out of wool, actually. And they're this really long band that you like kind of like wrapped around your chest. And um, yeah, that sounds pretty.
2: Right. And (laughs) if you were a large breasted woman like me in ancient Rome, that was considered like, ew, like small boobs were much more desirable in ancient Rome. So So you're out of luck. I I would not have been a popular woman in ancient Rome.
0: (laughs) Oh, I bet you would have. (laughs) well maybe
2: but not maybe maybe for my personality but not my boobs
1: (laughs) that's great oh my gosh okay gosh this is making me a little bit annoyed to be honest with you it just sort of seems like
2: that's really the whole point of a lot of our talks that you know in the past men kind of did a lot of this to women but today so many women they're just doing it they're doing it to themselves like for instance someone of you one of you mentioned Spanx and we talk about Spanx in one of our talks. And did you know that the um, organ damage done by Victorian corsets, a lot of women who wear Spanx on a regular basis today, they're getting very uh, early organ damage. And that's a brand new study we found from, from 2019. So, I mean, that's no really,
1: way. Yeah, pretty uh,
2: scary. You know, if you wear it once in a while to a wedding, you're okay. But yeah. people, women who wear them on a regular basis, like you better be careful because you might wind up with some big problems.
1: Wow. That's, that's frightening and good and good to know. Um, Okay. So I want to move on. I I love this. Let's move on to the, um, to your other, your other large talk, the, um, the not so good life of the colonial wife. Yeah. Because, so we've talked about this before we went on air, but I just moved to Connecticut and coming from Arizona, like I'm obsessed with this history. It is such a charming place to live for, especially for someone who grew up in the last continental uh u.s state to get to be in a place that you know there's a street here named Redcoat pass and there's old king's <laughs> highway and you just feel like the history is all around you and it's a really cool thing for someone like me who's not from this not exposed to it all the time so I'm, i feel like i'm very immersed right now in this colonial age mm-hmm. um but but <laughs> tell me what am i missing what am i missing besides the charm of the cobblestone streets well, you're missing a, you're missing you're a missing- lot of
2: the negative things also, because we, we always lived in Connecticut and we just, we just moved out of a 1770 farmhouse. So actually, it, I've always been fascinated with history, and, but it was living in that colonial farmhouse. Actually, what happened was during Hurricane Irene, we wound up not having power for 10 days. Oh, I remember that. My it parents had the out. same thing. I got a feel for what it was like. But uh, some of the bad things were, did you know that, of course, everyone used chamber pots and houses were so cold that the urine left in chamber pots would freeze overnight. So we're not talking Siberia. We're talking in New England. That's how house. cold were. Yep. Even yeah. with all the fires on and everything. Right, exactly. So it was bad. And if you like we heated our house with a wood stove, you know, back in Connecticut. But what people had to, if people would go through what was it? 60 60 cords of wood. A winter or not a winter because you kept your fire going at all times, but 60 cords of wood. We used to burn eight cords of wood and we thought we would have a heart attack, you know, stacking all that wood, but 60 cords of wood. And
0: plus you have to somehow get those trees and chop it down and you know do all the processing for that. So that's a lot of work. No right. Chain. So men were choppering, chopping wood all the time. And so what were the hours they kept? What time were people waking up and going to bed back then?
2: Actually, um there's something this is kind of funny. There was something that they called two sleeps, which I had never heard of before. So you know people would go to bed when it got to be dark. And then they would wake up, I think it was sometime around like 11 o'clock. This just cracked me up. They would wake up at 11 o'clock. And first of right. all, but yeah, they would go to bed, you know, like when it gets dark, once it gets dark, five o'clock, something like that. they'd go to bed at five o'clock. They'd wake up at about 11 o'clock and they called that first sleep. Then at 11 o'clock, they would then sometimes, well, first of all, they said, then that was the best time to have sex because you could conceive a child uh, the best time at that point. But very often people would get up they would go out into their barn and hook up their carriages. Then they'd go out, go to someone's house and go visit for a while. Then they'd come back <laughs> to the house and they'd go back to sleep at about 2 o'clock in the morning and then wake up when the sun came up. So that two thing, but that just kind of cracked me up. I'd never heard about that.
0: Well, wait, doesn't that sound a little bit European? I mean, no, I mean I it sounds like, the- like
2: college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> We realized there are a couple of reasons for that. One go thing, to sleep, wake up, yeah, go to a well, party. Maybe you, party, you hook up you with have someone. Have some sex. Yeah, yes. whatever. <laughs> no, But there's two reasons for that. Because one thing, the nights were just so long and you you know, get kind of boring. You can't sleep all the time. But also having a wood stove, we realized that it's pretty hard to keep a, a fireplace going all night long. So I think they'd get up and they'd like, you know, stoke the fire. So they'd have a little bit of warmth in the house. But the two sleep thing was really, really common. Yeah.
0: When I'd yeah. like to go to somebody else's house to enjoy their firewood. I mean, no. like at this, I like. <laughs> Grandma, I'll see you. I'm going to come over at two a.m. We're going to chop some <laughs>
1: firewood, and then I'm going to go back for sleep too.
0: <laughs> All right. Crazy. So tell Wait, us a little we... more. Oh, sorry, yeah, girl. I keep saying you touched upon birth control, childbirth. Um, or can we touch upon that a little bit? We in didn't touch upon birth control. We just talked about menstruation. Well, well I... birth control, Let's see. What some of the what? what do we say? What's one of the most popular things? The sea sponges.
2: Yeah, they used, uh, okay, so they used sea sponges. Oh, I, I was, I'm trying to get the stuff that I say. Quinine. Quinine. Um, but the most common thing, they would take, well, go ahead, say that part. Right. Crocodile. They would take crocodile poop and they would, what they mix it with, honey? And they would put it in the vagina to help prevent pregnancy. So crocodile poop and honey. Oh, no, hold it, on, like, hold on, hold on. How are
0: <laughs> so the colonial, no, sorry, <laughs> coming from the Northeast, there have not been much proximity to crocodiles. Right, Exactly.
2: <laughs> Exactly. That's the first thing that I wondered. And then actually it was our son. He lives in Puerto Rico. He heard me do one of our talks and he said, you know, mom, you have to stop and think that to the, to the colonists, crocodile poop was just like fantastical thing and you know they, they like what we consider a unicorn or a, or whatever what was I want to say
3: like the Loch Ness Monster something just very magical
2: right so like the crocodile poop had nothing really to do with it it was just that it was this dry powder that when it mixed with honey then they put it in the vagina it acted kind of as a diaphragm sort of thing but a lot right. of people have said and I this is another one of these things, that you probably smelled so bad that your husband didn't come anywhere near you so <sighs> it was a pretty effective contraceptive there
0: yeah. <laughs> so it's like you're making a mud pie per se yes okay it's- all right mud pie. Okay. but it wasn't made out of actual crocodile does yes it was it was where are where they finding they the, crocodiles? the crocodiles that's what i'm
2: asking pretty much get anything you know, in the, you know not in the, not in the very early colonial era but you know by the time we had we had harbors and, and you know ports okay. they were, they were transporting everything
0: yes okay cool
1: can you imagine someone tracing their family tree and realizing <laughs> their ancestors were like the crocodile poop supplier. <laughs> Suppliers, yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, I think we always say that, you know, the colonial period, it goes from 1602 to 1781. So I think sometimes think, you know, what was going on here, or, or I shouldn't say there, what was going on at home in 1602, it wasn't necessarily happening in 1781, because that's like 174 years. Like in history, that's a really, really big period. So, you know, it, it diff- you know, the beginning was different than the end. They had some other weird things for birth control, that They would
3: like, Um, turn the wheel of a grain mill backwards at midnight. They would like toss seeds
2: in a river. Well, you're
1: up, you're up for second sleep. So you've got nothing to do. Turn (laughs) that mill backwards.
2: I like the, they used to hang rabbit poop tied in mule's hide over their bed. So they, I mean, they were desperate and that's not well. that leading up to you said about childbirth. So it's estimated um, that somewhere between 25 and 50% of women died in childbirth. Oh, and since the thing.
0: Say, it's so yeah. horrific. Like you always you watch these recreation movies and you see, and they always portray women as oh, I just can't wait to get pregnant, blah blah blah. I would think it, I would have been absolutely out of my mind scared Yeah. I, you know, best. if you're seeing like you know, two out of your four friends dying every time mm. they did this, and you had no control over it. No, everything. and that's it. Like, and like women were pregnant uh, somewhere
2: between eight and ten times, so there was a pretty good chance something bad was going to happen to you. And what are the numbers about kids survival? Aaron, do you remember that? Like four out of 10 children didn't died by the first year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, very often they didn't even name kids until they were 24 months old because there's such a high chance that, that the kid wasn't going to survive. So, you know, it was, yeah, it was, we always say like women have a long way to go, but man, we have come an awful long way. And, yeah. and, you know, just be thankful you're alive. As bad as things might be right now, be glad you're alive in 2021.
0: Very good point. This is some spooky stuff. This is is some Halloween spooky
1: stuff. Okay. Well, Graham, Graham, okay. You don't know this about Graham since you guys just met, but Graham is a little bit weird in her love of Halloween.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a wonderful love. No, she's obsessed. It's, it's very, Uh
1: so I know you guys have, um, have on your website, if the broom fits Halloween and the history of witches. So in honor of it being October, this is going to come out right before Halloween. We need to hear about the witches.
2: Okay, so should we get right to the brewing
0: part? You My tell has- us you tell us everything you know because you're making Graham's Day right Hit now. It.
1: Okay.
2: I have anything to anything you want to because- say.
0: Do you also understand how special you two women are? We have not done a podcast in a year and a half, and you're our triumphant oh, really? return. We're coming back. You know, you know how you go to um, a what do you, you know how you go to a concert, like a rock star just comes out and plays their first song without saying like, Hey, miss us for the past X number time. Where have we been hiding? Nope. We just still del- decided to lead with Eris and Velia, um, oh. just like the way a famous rock star would come out. So I, I hope you're feeling the, the moment. That's
2: wow. Nice. I hope we're living up to the, <laughs> up to the hype here. This is pretty, <laughs> this is
0: Very much. Good. Okay. Yeah. Hit it. <laughs>
2: One of the points for our, if the room fits
3: talk was like, how did the nice, because witches used to be seen as this like nice, benevolent, you know, healer kind of woman. How did that change into her becoming this like malevolent
2: kind of scary, creepy woman? So we talk about that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of it really is because women began, you know, taking their power back, taking their power. So that's how that happened. But we, we really wondered, you know, what's up with witches and brooms and flying. So how about I'll do the broom part. You do the flying part. (laughs) All right. you do all <laughs> no, it's, like, it's a pretty ridiculous um so explanation here he, okay here's the deal so there used to be um well first of all there are different herbs that are hallucinogenic herbs you want to talk about some of them? yeah so there's tropane alkaloids in some herbs like hold on
0: belladonna. writing this down <laughs> okay
3: so in like belladonna um hellbore henbane um jimson weed and they are all super duke Super poisonous herbs if you don't know what you're doing. So please do not
4: use them.
2: Yeah, don't, so they
3: they do have some pretty powerful properties if you do know what you're doing. But again, don't use them.
2: No, don't use unless them unless you want to die. Right. Okay. Yes. So there um, used to be this thing called witches' ointment. So we did a lot of research on this, and we're you know we're putting t- an hour-long talk down to condensing it here. But what the, what these women used to do, they used to make a witches' ointment out of these herbs. And then, as era said, if you would take these herbs internally, you would either be dead or pretty close to dead. But they figured out in order to get the hallucinogenic, um, I guess what high off of it, they they would uh, anoint these things in in like uh, I'm trying to say this politely they're in, in through your mucous membranes. So they would do it through their armpits or mm-hmm. the fastest way was through your vagina or through your rear end. So exactly. what they would do, I wish I could see your faces right now, what they would do, they would, <laughs> you two, can imagine. Yes. They would take this ointment and then they'd rub it all over a broom Then they didn't put the broom inside them, which is what some people think they would go, you know, they would straddle the broom, you you, you, you know, the way witches, we think of witches riding around in the sky. And then they would get this hallucinogenic high because this, this witch's ointment was touching their vagina and touching their rear end. Oh,
0: That is, is that true? Yeah, It's it's, it's true.
2: So then. Um, we were wondering, then, OK, so that's how they got, you know, the, the like the buzz off the hallucinogenic. You think
0: you could just put it on. Like, why did they need the broom portion? But anyway, <laughs> because was, they had to
1: have two access points.
0: Who am I? But I mean, like, I just still, I feel like they could have figured that out. Keep going. Sorry. I don't me so to interrupt. so then We wondered, okay, what's up with, then how did, okay. So that's the, witches, like kind of
2: walking around on their brooms, but then we wondered what's up with the flying parts. Where should you explain that part? So we found this
3: account from this guy named Gustav Schenk, who in 1966, he was like, okay, I want to feel like what these tropane alkaloids feel like when they, you know, you put them topically on your body. So he came up with this whole like description of how he felt once he did it. And he said, he felt like his, um, his kind of like his body and his like mind were separating and he felt like he was flying and felt like he was like in the clouds, like by the rivers, like all this stuff. So.
0: Oh, so he was describing his high from his experience.
2: So, so, you know, if anybody smeared these, these, you know, hallucinogenic herbs on them, would have the feeling of flying you didn't have to be a witch for it to happen it would happen to you guys if you did it too so but what it really was and then that whole thing all these male artists of the day you know we're talking about the 1500s 1400s they started doing these really like um i would say insulting engravings and paintings of women and like Eris and i we had no idea these paintings were out there but they show naked women like straddling a giant penis or like straddling um, a flying penis, because men were really upset that women were kind of take, trying to take their power and they're trying to use their power. So really, that, that's, we're condensing an hour long talk into something small, but it really was kind of about that, that sayers what you say, if you were a woman who, you know. Like, because throughout history, there have always been like free thinking, independent, you know, kind of cool women. And we were, we've always been seen as a threat. So this was their way to kind of you know squelch those women, and that's you know same thing with all the witch trials. Those were all women, but like we always say, they were like examples who were the witches,
3: like single women, like um, menopausal women, widowed women. Like we would have been, you know, we we're we're kind of like
2: weird, so we would have been. In and double. you too, you guys would have yeah, gone too. too. We would have been gone. Anybody goners, was like an open-minded, free thinker, you you would have been you would have been gone, or you would have been at least shunned by society. So. Yeah, that's uh-huh. kind of the kind of the gist of that talk and how sad, it, you know, that the portrayal of witches became that way, because as Eris said, they were just the healing women, they were the wise women, but they become these like, you know, cackling hags and you know, it's men, it's men, like with so many, so many things, it's men that we were respons- responsible for that
0: portrayal of them.
3: And it's unfortunately still a thing today where women and men are being accused of witchcraft and killed like in huge numbers, unfortunately.
0: Where? Here. Where is this it's happening? In, no, it totally happens. It actually All still over. happens like in from, Africa. Um, it it very much happens. Lines, from between 1960
2: and 2000 40,000 primarily women were uh, were killed in Tanzania mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of Yeah,
0: death. it's for- a big deal i remember when we lived in we lived in africa briefly the, the newspapers the national newspapers would take out ads basically saying you know don't don't go i mean especially the, i mean there's also healing kind of medicine men as well mm-hmm. but um but no that's still a very active part of Certain cultures, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Very much to so, denounce yeah. women and and potentially men, but I don't think men really get punished it's for, it, but men, um, but men also. yeah, bad mm-hmm.
1: so. yeah, mm-hmm. stuff. Well, what's really cool about you guys to kind of bridge the gap between history and and current? Um, you you guys are free thinkers. You use some remedies that are maybe outside the mainstream but effective and awesome. So, tell us what um, what would be the you know, we don't, we're not at one of your seminars. We're not at one of your workshops. Although can our listeners go to your workshop? That's my first question. Do you guys have anything virtual? Because we have listeners all over the world. And then secondly, for those who just want a taste of it, like what is the easiest way to like, we'll we'll have you guys how to find you, but what is the easiest way to like dip your toe in the water of these things, of making your own remedies um, herbs and sort of natural remedies. Like what is your first what's the game what your drug? What was
0: your first potion? <laughs> potion 101. Like
2: what do you potion start with? Like, like thank it's it's hard for
1: us to say because like I I grew up, my mother was like
2: a real, you know, uh, pioneer of, of this stuff. So I grew up this way. Eris has always lived this way. But I think one of the, one of the first classes that we that we offered was something called firesider. Eric, you want to talk about fire cider? Yeah. So fire cider is considered like the ultimate herbal cold and flu remedy.
3: It's apple cider vinegar with garlic and onions and horse fetish and a bunch of other herbs. And it's great if you feel like you're getting sick, you know, you get that, like, you know, tickly sore throat thing or start getting a cough. You take some fire cider and it just like knocks it out of you. Or you can just take
2: it every day just as a preventative. A hallmark of what we do is that we, um, like, for instance, you can buy fire cider in grocery store, but a, what's a four ounce? A four ounce bottle is $24.99, where we're like, are you kidding me? Like it's vinegar, horseradish, garlic, and a bunch of herbs. $24.99, that's crazy. So our thing is what we try to do, we don't sell things, but we teach people how to make their own herbal and and holistic remedies because we just, our our thing is don't don't pay that kind of money. And, you know, also when it comes to like our holistic, you know, beauty kind of things, like, you know, you can make your own shampoo. You can, you know, there's no reason to buy things that are chemical filled. And there's no reason to pay those crazy prices. Like we teach people how to to do it for themselves. Yeah, we teach virtual classes pretty much at least once a day. um,
3: And our schedule is on our website, which is groundedgoodwife.com.
2: And
1: you guys need to all go to this website. It's amazing. I, I have had cool. so much fun on this website. You guys are hilarious, and oh, it's, it's very informative. And, and so, really, well, I was thinking because you're
0: very tongue in cheek with a lot of what was the thing? Let's give them something to pump. Uh, what was it about the pumpkin, Kirsten? Let's give them
1: pumpkin to talk about. Pumpkin to talk about. But I was thinking, wait, where not- is pumpkin to talk about? Since we are in October and the pumpkin, what is give them to pumpkin? Pumpkin to talk about
3: that's a class where we teach how to make two like natural beauty recipes um maple pumpkin sugar scrub and um banana
2: yogurt, like facial mask kind of thing. And that whole thing is because like, you you know, the people, people buy masks and sugar scrubs in the store. It's like crazy. First of all, they have chemicals in them and people forget that, you know, your skin is your most porous organ. And if you put it on your skin, it's going in your body. So what we just teach people how to do it themselves because they really, really, really effective. And they're not just like, oh yes, pumpkin. Oh yeah. Yogurt. Oh yeah. Bananas. They all have, um, really, really good beneficial, um, ingredients in them. Mm-hmm. Not and- like
0: you're trying to sell it to the masses, but that would be really good for a little girl's birthday party. Like if a mom yes, wanted to true. zoom with you two and you could yes. teach a bunch of little girls how to make like, um, you know, those two masks, I like think that would maybe be a, a
1: banana party. is sometimes referred to as nature's Botox. Yes. Because, yep. I yes, mean, is. come on. No, yeah, it's great.
3: And also like, this is not like a sales trap, but we just released our second book called dare to be a green witch. And we have tons of recipes in there that are good for like, if you've never made an herbal recipe ever in your life, there's stuff in there for you. Or if you're a little more advanced, there's stuff in there for you. So is everything from like um, beauty stuff to kombucha and kimchi and oh. you, that's that's a few. How would of- I
0: learn how to like harm my enemies? Do you have anything in there in the book that would like, I mean, are we doing anything like that? Or are we just well? Like- that's one thing we should
2: talk about because we doing- consider ourselves green witches. Say what you think of green witches or what we think of green witches.
3: So green witches like value and consult the earth and trees and plants and stones for their healing properties Mm -hmm. and for us it's like pretty much living a holistic
2: lifestyle and being respectful of mother nature and the environment we don't use any kind of allopathic doctors or prescriptions Mm and nothing like that but a lot of people have said not a lot of people some people said that we're not real green witches because we don't practice spells and we don't talk to fairies but like there is no dictionary definition of what a green witch is. You know, if you wanna practice spells, you wanna to talk to fairies, you know, go ahead, but we don't do that. And I think our big thing is, you know, we lead a totally holistic life, but we like to think of it as a big swimming pool. You know, Eris and I, our whole family, we're in the deep end of the pool. We do nothing mm-hmm. allopathic. But if you just wanna go in the little kitty end of the pool and maybe experiment with elderberry syrup or making your own shampoo, you know, that's totally fine too. You can go as, you can go as deep as you want into the pool The pool is big enough for everybody and we like to welcome everybody to our coven where we don't speak to fairies. Yes. I
0: well, and okay, I love it. That. And Graham you guys are very doesn't
1: Graham would like to use as many chemicals as possible no, while also cursing her enemies. Do you have a pool <laughs> for that?
2: What a combo. Well, no, sorry. that sounds terrible.
0: No, we're i no, I think what you guys are doing is fascinating. I, I love it's amazing. it. And, it's, and I'm and just it's Wonderful. I'm and we're very, we're the most, op- we love what you're doing. And yeah, very I'm going to get that
1: people. book. That sounds amazing. Um, oh, cool. Thank dare you. to be a green witch. No, that sounds amazing. But I, but wait, I, I just do have a
0: question because you're making me think of the M night and I apologize. You've just piqued my interest. So, I just have to dive further because you're saying that. So it reminds me of that M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, right? So you're, if someone in your family got a major, major, major something or other, how would you treat that? Um, do you remember that where they did you ever see that movie? No, but I know what you're talking about. It's a fascinating movie. Unless but- it's um,
2: you know, we think there's a place for allopathic medicine let's just say if you're in a horrific car accident but um pretty much everything are, and, and that's what we try to the point we get to cross you know we we have diarrhea we throw up we get sore throats we get headaches um Eris had West Nile virus Jim oh, yeah. my husband Eris's father he had Lyme we just choose to treat it all holistically you know herbally yeah. holistically and yeah. you really can we, we can and you know, we've had we've had things we, we have a naturopath, of course, mm-hmm. of which we hardly ever go to. And but we've had document I said, Eris had West Nile virus documented with a blood test. We got rid of it when uh, a infectious disease guys said we couldn't documented with a blood test. We just choose to get rid of that stuff without using prescriptions.
0: But so you're having your mate be basically additionally, like way down the line, being able to make something with antibiotic properties. Oh yeah. There's -hmm. there's tons of herbs. See, but we're new to this. So this is this, you know, Would it be bad? Would it be
1: bad to talk about COVID? Would it be bad to talk about people who might be afraid and what their immunization up? Like, what do you recommend to kind of keep yourself just, you know, the natural um, sort of immunization boosting?
3: There's a lot you can do just like generically to keep your immune system up. Like no matter against any kind of virus, bacteria, whatever, like elderberry syrup,
2: fire cider, which we already talked about um, there's tons of antiviral herbs. We teach quite a few workshops on that. Like for instance, we, um, of course we don't, we don't believe in the vaccine, which maybe it's going to turn off some of your listeners, but that's how it is. But like same, we don't even use hand sanitizer. We don't use Purell. We, but we do make our own chemical free hand sanitizer. We don't use any antibacterial, any of those antibacterial products. And we believe, you know, if you have a strong immune system, you know, you can find it all off. Uh, We're living now in, I mean, I mention this, but we moved to the Yucatan. And if you've been to Mexico, Mexico, (laughs) if you've been here, you know that in most of the bathroom and kitchen sinks, they don't have hot water. That's not the most sanitary bathroom conditions, but we're all alive and well, and we're doing just fine because we really, really work on keeping our immune systems, you know, high and strong and it
1: can be done. You know, It takes work and, Mm -hmm. but it can be done. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I think we're bad out of time, but I do just want to just touch on kind of like an overarching picture of our talk, because I have a question both as a, as, as history teachers, as educators, um, and then, you know, um, um, Vilia, you you also as a mother of a, of a woman, how, how do you think we go about teaching history in a way that is, like to our families, in a way that is, you know, um, that's the real question. story. You don't, know I mean, you don't, know I'm trying to say like, how do you, how do you sh- tell them like, you're not learning everything about this. Like you're not hearing the whole story.
2: That's a good question.
3: It's hard to, it's like, you'd have to like totally re, mm, rewrite
2: kind of how history is taught. Yeah. The whole country. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really good question. Um, actually, Maybe you guys could just do that for a children's book. Yeah, we took Eris out of, it was her choice, we took Eris out of public school, actually the school district where I taught, because we just didn't like the way a lot of uh, history and things were being taught, because the interesting, good stuff wasn't being taught, and they dwelled so much on the boring stuff and the dates, that it came a point where Eris really hated history, so I think you're really going to have to do it on your own, it's not going to be happening in school systems, wouldn't you agree, Mm -hmm. and how do you get to the interesting stuff? I mean, my parents always took my brother and I to all kinds of, you know, day trip kind of things like you saw saw Mick and Ayers grew up in Bridgewater, Connecticut, tiny little town, 1800 people, you know, totally white bread. And then very early on, we're not wealthy people, but very early on, you know, on all school vacations, we started traveling internationally. And I think if you start traveling, especially here's, I think now,
0: I'm you a big proponent
2: different. of travel. It's not different hearing about it, mm. but you actually see it. And I think that kind of they're always interested in stuff like that anyway. Yeah, but making, I making making it
1: real, making it alive. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. here we are with uh you know college degrees all the way around. And this is the first time I've heard about the uh Uggs for Ugh.
0: That's Mac really gonna bags. stick with Kirsten. Do it's really do. gonna stick with me. <laughs> um, well, you two have been wonderful. This is awesome. Just,
1: I'm gonna get enjoy. your book. I'm very excited to make fire cider.
0: Good. We're not yeah. buying our fire cider yeah, I re- also realized you, oh, I oh, know another perfect. tagline for your website. You're not teaching people how to fish. You're teaching them how to witch.
1: Oh, would you like that? Pretty oh, yes. oh, nice good. Pretty good. It. Good. Yeah, well oh, thank, you
2: thank you. for your your, your what your do we call you? Our not inaugural, but our you're welcome. Well, you're welcome oh,
0: back.
1: Our our welcome back to Welcome Home.
0: We're we're honored to have been It's a highly coveted episode. Yes.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, so nice to meet you guys. And once again, you. give thank your website you. one more time for everybody. And I assume they can find you on social. Yep. Groundedgoodwife.com. And then
2: on Facebook and Instagram, we're grounded goodwife. We're very, very easy to find. Yep. And if you're down in Yucatan, come visit us. <laughs> and welcome awesome. home.
0: And as a very special addition for our guest today, we have the mother of Halloween, Miss Chanel Van Rienen. And Chanel was, came to me um, from a different, a whole number of sources. But what makes her the bomb shiznit of Halloween is that you not only do 31 days of Halloween with the greatest costumes known to man. I mean, you are the queen of costumery, but you kind of embrace Halloween all year long. So welcome Chanel to Welcome Home.
4: Hello. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. My first podcast. Wow.
0: Well, thank you for being here. And this is such a fun little
1: addition. We are doing a show about witches and uh, we just knew we had to have you on a, as a guest because someone called you a witch the other day and yes. you took it as a compliment. And also <laughs> you, your Instagram is pretty darn impressive and inspiring.
4: Oh, thank you so much. It's So a lot of can fun. we
1: just do a lightning round favorite costume on the Instagram? And we can all Um, say our favorite of your costumes.
4: I would, uh, do you want me to go? You want me to say? Everybody gets to go. Okay. (laughs) So I
1: think mine from
4: last year is probably going to be Ursula. That was one of my favorites.
0: That was intense. And few times do we say, listeners, you need to go for some imagery, but you do need to go check out the Instagram account. It's Chanel spelled like the designer label, Van Rienen, R-E-E-N-E-N. And I think that will help you know the gravitas behind who we are speaking with. Uh-huh. Um, so you will be able to understand Ursula and all of it. Like, so here's what got me about your costumes. Some of the costumes, I think to myself, like you did Mean Girls, the, right? Yesterday or?
4: um Today, I actually just posted it. It goes live every Morning at ten a.m. Eastern Standard Time in the month of October. Amazing. Okay.
0: Yeah. So it's like you. I, I some. You know, we get invited to some Halloween events, whatever it is, and I think as lay people, um, we think to ourselves, okay, like maybe I could pull out that outfit, but it's going to be a little hodgepodge. I hope people know what I'm trying to be. But the thing is, when you do a costume, there is no. I mean, you are down to the. Inth degree, perfect attention to detail. Nothing is off point. You truly transcend. So I guess my background question to you is, who are you? Like, (laughs) like, are you a mom? Are you a, are you a costume designer? Did you major in theater? Like, how did you get to this level?
4: So I actually have a BFA in photography. I went to Parsons School of Design in New York. I am a mom. I have two kids. I've always, loved the holidays. And I think once I had kids, it became that more special um, to really celebrate the holidays with them and to just have a whole new level. And I try to make it special. So we celebrate the holidays like a few months ahead of time. I just think that there's so much to do that we shouldn't just be pigeonholed into one day for the holidays. So we start celebrating Halloween in August. I start, amazing. <laughs> yeah. The, the kids go back to school and once they go back to school, my entire, I bring up all of the Halloween items from the basement and it takes me about seven to 10 days to actually decorate my house. But oh, I amazing. Mom. yes, I have a wonderful relationship. I'm divorced. I'm in a great co-parenting relationship with their father, which I think is not talked about enough. People hear divorce and they kind of shun, but We are thriving as co-parents. We do a lot of things together. Um, Wait,
1: wait. Here, I'm going to get real personal. Yeah. Do 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 you ever do a group costumes? Who, who's in yeah, <laughs> family They're, costumes. Yeah. That, you know that is that is the true co-parenting test. If uh-huh. you can if you can still
0: go to costume
1: together. I to get oh, my yes. husband to put well on like a, you, a
0: crappy <laughs> little like mask for a Halloween party, and you're getting your ex-husband to like yes. do these intricate. Oh man. Oh you're- man.
4: So this year I'll give you guys a little sneak peek. But our family costume this year is Alice in Wonderland. He's going to be the Mad Hatter. Last year the family costume was the Adams family. The year before that it was Beetlejuice. We've done Harry Potter. Um, he definitely embraces my Halloween side and it's just really special that the kids get to, you know, grow up with both of their parents loving Halloween and in a really fun setting. So does this mean you skip Labor Day?
1: I'm so sorry. I, you guys, I need to just, I need to stick with this family costume thing because my children would rather die than match me. No, <laughs> Like is how old are your kids? Is there bribery involved? What yes. sort of say do they have in this? Because this is like my holy grail of parenting would be a family costume. We have tried everything and they're okay. They so for
4: Halloween every month, I've always let the kids. So there's always different events. You know, I don't know how it is from COVID, but I live in the suburbs of Atlanta and things are pretty much, I hate to say normal, but they're pretty much back to normal. So we, we do, there's trunk or treats. There's always trick-or-treating at, you know, different outdoor malls or things like that. So when they always get to do the storybook parade at their school. So my, um, bribery to them is they can pick out any costume that they, they want from Target, Spirit Halloween, Amazon. They could even pick, you know, two or three little cheap $20 ones, but they have to do the family costume with me and their dad. <laughs> on, on Halloween, they, they know that they have to do it for the photos and it's a lot of fun. And Evelyn, my daughter loves dressing up. Um, so that is my bribery for them. I let them pick out costumes that they want to do anything with their friends, but then for actual Halloween, they have to do the family one.
0: Okay. So the real Halloween, October 31st is like your Holy grail. Is that when you're like pulling out your showstopper? Cause I mean, I feel like you just did Marge Simpson the other day. That was a showstopper. I mean, you've done How do you yellow, your skin.
1: I'm looking at this and I'm like, Mm
0: -hmm.
4: I have a fantastic makeup artist. Her name is Brittany. I've known her for years and she actually doesn't practice anymore, but she always says that I bring her out of retirement. Um, So she does these really elaborate makeup ones that you see. They are all attributed to her she is so talented um but yes the October 31st I always post the family costume so that okay. is like the grand finale of us four
0: that's like the cake I'm on southern living faded for dress. okay no this is gonna be amazing it's gonna no. be great
4: it's like okay. it's exciting
0: okay
1: let's do it let's do a little lightning what um what is you think the big trend that we're gonna be excited to see this year in Halloween costumes what are what is oh, the gosh. saw this one coming?
4: if you can get your hand on it, it would be squid game. Um, oh, yeah. of course. but I think that came out too close to Halloween. So the manufacturers can't get it done because if you look on Amazon, it's not on prime and it's not in stores, but that was on my list for this year. I thought it would be really cool and relevant, but I couldn't get my costume in time.
0: Okay. Can I ask a tacky question. Like, yes. Um, and I hate it. Cause this is, this is no. only out of friendship. How does one bankroll all of this? Because these okay. costumes you're putting together are very expensive. Um, yes. I just know like putting together like you you have you don't like you know what I'm saying. These are not out of the like plastic bag where most of our costumes come from. Yeah, We're getting so very fancy. Every,
4: thank you. So every costume always has a blog post that, that goes with it, and then I cross promote on the blog, Pinterest, and Facebook, and I always link to several costumes where I got it. And you would be surprised, a lot of the costumes are bagged costumes. I know it's, some of them are hit or miss, mostly miss, but I always notate if it's a really great bag costume, like the Ace Ventura that I just did a few days ago was a completely- Laces out. (laughs) Yes, completely bagged costume. The um, Evil Queen was bagged, but I do buy a lot from Amazon. um, And then I do resell them or I'll keep them. Okay.
0: Okay. So you have, you have a whole system go cause you're a professional, you're a professional yeah. Halloweener. Okay. Yeah. So,
4: and this year I did work with California costumes. This is my second year. So they sent me some things, um, cool, okay. yeah, paying me too, but most okay. say 90% comes out of
0: my pocket. Can I, can I pull out a cool card? So you, well I knew, I knew, I knew you were the bomb and it got me thinking about Halloween. I've been thinking about Halloween for a while. And so my family and I, we actually just got back from Rome last <gasps> week, which was very oh. fun. That's amazing. But I was like, I was like the costume, you know, the labor shortages, everything, nothing shipping. I'm like, this stinks. I'm going to go and I'm going to get like an international costume and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be so cool. Okay. So I researched, there's this famous costumery in Rome called Torelli. Have you ever heard of them? No, but it you, sounds like something I want to Okay, know. You need, it's like a 45,000 square foot warehouse of costumes outside of Rome. They have won 16 Academy Awards. They're probably the most famous costumery in the world. Oh. So you need to add that to your, it's called T-I-R-E-L-L-I costuming. I don't know if they ship, but you need to contact these people. <laughs> but okay. it's worth, it's worth the trip to Rome apparently for the right Halloween costume. No, I'm thinking you could clean up. This is your, this is your like mothership. I just need to, I probably should have told you about this offline, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this. But like, I, if you I, haven't I, heard of Torelli, you, Torelli is your new bestie other than I Brando. love that. Cause I'm
4: already planning for next year. I have, I probably have, I keep a notes on my phone and whenever I get a costume idea or think of something that I want to do, I probably have over 200 ideas saved. So I'm definitely have plenty for the next few years.
1: Okay. So okay here's, say, this is six, coming out on the 28th mm-hmm. and let's say our listeners are like, I wasn't even going to dress up, but I'm feeling inspired. I'm, I'm catching the holiday spirit last minute costume that anybody can pull off with stuff they have in their in their house
4: oh my gosh shoot i should have prepared for this question um Don't i know girls, well you've stop. never had to face this question because you have a <laughs> know, sheet of hundreds of ideas this is the fire um, we told
1: her
0: this was a convivial conversation kirsten oh
4: my gosh okay i'm trying okay. to think okay so I don't know if I can give you a certain character, but definitely you want to go with something relevant because as long as you get a few pieces that resemble the character and that is recognizable, people are going to know who you are. So even if it's a blue wig, so for the Coraline one, you could easily get a blue wig and a light yellow rain jacket. People will know who you are. Um, Mm. I just did Regina George, almost every woman or their husband, or you can go to Target and get a wife beater, cut it out and wear Mm -hmm. it with a black skirt. I mean, it's super easy. I actually made the Regina George costume with everything I had. I just had to get the purple bra. I had everything else. Uh, So that's super easy. Um, And on my blog, um, I always try to give suggestions for people to make this at home or make their costumes at home. Because I understand that it can be expensive, especially if you have several kids or you're going to different events. It's always nice to use things from your closet.
0: And the blog is Chanel So if uh-huh. anyone wants to check that out, you'll get some really good ideas, but don't yeah. say they came from us. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing people always try to guard their Halloween costumes with such secrecy.
4: No way. I think it's fun. Uh, I love sharing it and I, I don't know. Just the whole space of creativity. Everyone copies everyone anyway. So what's the point of guarding anything, you know? I agree. I agree. Share well, share. we
1: highly recommend everyone checks out her Instagram feed it, it, and you have a blog as well. Yes. Chanel moving forward.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so guys go check her out because you will be inspired, um, to make your Halloween joy this sure. year. <laughs> Thank you so much.
4: Janelle, thanks, thanks for being Janelle.
1: with us. Appreciate getting to know you.
4: Yes, of course. Bye-bye. Welcome home.